Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Good morning. Good morning, New Mercy. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Charles. I know that's, that's not an easy thing to do, as, as, but this year, uh, our elder Charles is our treasurer for the church. So, um, uh, but, but thank you for uh, your presentation and your sincerity and heart. Um, please, yeah, join us as we, you know, as we pray and as we um, urge just ourselves to really think about the kingdom. And God has given us a vision here at New Mercy that to live out, to be the church for the broken. And over the past six years, uh, just the faithfulness of God uh, that was demonstrated through you, through each and every member of our church. Um, and I know, once again, I know that the Lord would uh, provide and will uh, speak to us as a body to, to meet you know, this, our situation today. So, so we urge you, please do, um, uh, you know, he sent, Charles sent a letter out, and there are a lot of details on the letter. So, so uh, if you could refer to that, that would be, that would be great. My name is uh, Won J. Hudson, one of the pastors here at New Mercy. And um, we want to, once again, just want to extend a warm uh, welcome out to everyone today that uh, uh, you have come to worship together as a body of Christ. Uh, we are in a sermon series here. Uh, I had the opportunity to be here at the Hackensack site only, so thank God. Uh, usually, uh, pastors preach three times every Sunday, but uh, only been preaching twice. Pastor Key has been only preaching once, so now we'll be flipping. So this is my last Sunday here at Hackensack, and uh, Pastor Key, actually, that's not true. Next week, we have a very special message from our Intern Pastor Chris Kwan. After that, Pastor Key will be here for three weeks in Hackensack site, and I'll be in Edgewater. So we'll be switching, and you'll get to hear uh, his sermon series that he is currently doing in Edgewater. Uh, so uh, it's been an honor for me to uh, present this sermon series uh, called Christian Living. Christian Living. So we have been looking at uh, what does it mean? What does it mean for the person of God, as the people of God, to do life well? Okay, to do life well. And my, my kind of 
push or focus was, uh, I wanted to address Christians first. I wanted to address people of God. I, wanted to, I want to address you uh, as you have set aside Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's our King. He's our Lord. Uh, so I'm addressing Christians first and foremost. And I'm addressing as Christians, as people of God, what does it mean for us to, to do life well, to do it effectively, to do it God-pleasing, God-honoring? Uh, so that was my intention with this series, very short series. So first Sunday, two weeks ago, I covered the basis or the basic foundational uh, uh, thought or the teaching on this throughout Scripture, and it was the concept of the fear of the Lord. Uh, Proverbs teaches us it is the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. That's the beginning of knowledge. In anything and everything, as a person of God, uh, to be wise, to be effective, it means to carry this fear of God. Uh, and the fear of God is not terror or being scared of God, but it, it is this, this reverence and understanding and awareness in every situation that God is here, you know, I'm I'm under God. So remember in the old days, for the religious person, people called them, oh, you're a God-fearer, right? Uh, Oh, you're you're home. That's a God-fearing household. We use terms like that. That's where it comes from. Always constantly revering God, understanding, being aware of God is part of this. God is my life. So I think the Bible teaches us that's the beginning of, it says that's the beginning of wisdom. That's the beginning of good life, effective life. So we looked at that. Then we looked at last week um, making biblical choices. Life is about making decisions. So as the person of God, in order for us to live well, that means also uh, biblically making healthy, godly choices, right choices. What does that mean? So we looked at it last week. Um, you, could, you could listen to the sermon. I'm not going to get into it. And hopefully that, w- that was helpful. And today, uh, as my last uh, thing in this series, I wanted to look at what I call living with people. Okay? Relationships, living with people. Because for me, life is about decision making. But all, the other half of life is about people. It's about living with people. And sometimes people are difficult, right? Challenging, and it sucks and stuff. Uh, it's hard. I remember um, a couple of years ago, this teacher, this teacher came up to me, this young teacher right out of grad school came up to me and was like, Pastor Wonjay, I love teaching, but I hate my kids. I was like, what? I could be an amazing teacher if I didn't have any students. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's kind of like saying, you know, I, I, I know what it means to be an amazing husband, but until I got married... Or I could be an amazing father, but until I had children, or whatever. But we, you know what you know what she mean, meant, right? That we know what it means. Inside of us, we know what it means to be idealistically a good teacher or whatever person. But it's the human factor, right? It's always the relationships. People makes it right? difficult. Life is challenging, right? So uh, relationally, you know, dealing with people, living with people. That's why Bible texts like today. Today's text, this text in Colossians uh, 3, which Paul is addressing the Christians at Colossae, the church of Colossae, because they were beginning to uh, seep into syncretism. So the secular theories and the idealism, the worldliness was coming into the church, and people were losing sight of the gospel. 
and they lost how to live once again well and effectively. And Paul is challenging the, the Colossian Christians regarding how to deal with people. And we read passages like this many times, right? And it's not easy. He's like, oh, yeah, and some of you are tuning out already. Oh, I know, I know, I need to love and compassion, humility, gentleness, patience. I know, I heard. You know, forgiveness, of course. Loving everybody, of course. I know, I heard. I don't want to. Honestly, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. Maybe some of you guys are tuning out, right? Sermons like this. Before we start or get into my main points, I just want to lay out two guidelines about perhaps about biblical teaching, right? About scripture, about the Bible. Uh, two things. Even though certain things that the scripture Bible teaches us, it, it, it almost like it doesn't touch our hearts, right? We, we don't feel like doing it. We don't feel like obeying. But why should we? Why, why do we? Why do we need to? Right? Two, I think, just basic concepts, kind of like a side thing. Two things about the Bible. Number one, we should obey the Bible. We should follow Scripture. Why? Number one, because first, it is good for you. Right? People of God, we sometimes forget this. We think scriptural things are just God's commands. God telling us, top down, do this, love, forgive. Yes, but why does he do that? Why is it there? Because at the end of the day, we know that the God is God of love. He genuinely loves us. Therefore, whatever he asks of us, whatever he teaches us and challenges us to do, it, at the end of the day, it's good for you. It's beneficial for us. As a person, as a human being, he knows best. He loves us. He adores us. So when we come into under the scriptural teachings and biblical word of God, we have to remember at the end of the day, this is helpful. This is good for you. This is, this is what's going to take us further and make us godly men and women to become like Jesus Christ. My life is not changing. Things are not. Are you, are you obeying? Are you under scripture? Are you really obeying? Are you, do you try to forgive people, love people, you know, whatever the scripture teaching is? Are you, are you putting yourself under the teachings of God? Or are you just tuning out? Right? Maybe things are not happening because you're not coming under the word of God. Because at the end of the day, it's good for you. It's good for you. It's beneficial. We have to believe that. Number two, that's just like foundational stuff. Number two, not only it's good for us, but one way, one definitive way, how we love God. How we love God is through obedience. Right? It's not just about just just doing because God told me to do, but when we do, when we obey, when we obey, when we come under the Word of God, what we're also doing is we're loving God. Scripture says what? John 14, 23, Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Many passages. If you love me, those who love me, you obey me. By obeying, by following, by coming under Scripture, it's not just doing it for the sake of, because it's a command, but it's also how we love God. Even though when it's hard, when you try to forgive someone, that act, that intention is also you are loving the Lord. Right? So biblically, there are two foundational things why 
we should submit ourselves to, to Scripture. It's good for us. Right? The Word of God is good for us, beneficial. He loves us. Number two, this is also how we love the Lord in obedience. Okay? So with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into now the sermon. Uh, today I'm going to talk about relationships with people. Just going to lay a quick three theological points again, just, just like last week. Three foundational teaching points or thinking points regarding people, regarding why should we? Why should we obey this Colossians passage like, you know, in patience and loving people, forgiving people, you know, dealing with people in this godly manner? Why should we? Uh, three teaching points, thinking points. Then I'm just going to go over a couple of maybe practical applications uh, from just, just straight from my heart, then we'll, we'll end. Okay, number one, why? Because every human being, every human being bears the image of God. Number one, why should we view in any relationship, anything towards another person, human beings, why should we have uh, this godly approach? Because number one, Every human being bears the image of God. Genesis 1, 26, 27. We've seen this passage many times. Do we have that? Okay. Genesis, as God is creating the heavens and the earth, the last thing that he creates is human beings. The scripture goes, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Uh, Here, Genesis 1, something very different, something very different takes place as he's creating human beings. Not the animals, trees, plants, whatever, human beings. This, this image of God, this likeness of God gets stamped upon every person. And I think that for us, that's the starting point. Meaning, each person, every person, there is a special value. There's, there's this deep worth. Every person has this precious uh, worthiness, this, this thing called God-likeness, that we are image bearers of God. God himself, something, likeness of God, got imprinted upon every single human being. So when scripture teaches us to, can you love some, love others, forgive others, give people a chance? Even today, verse 11, in Jesus Christ, now it comes to full circle, in Jesus Christ there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, uh, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Gospel brings this full circle and under Jesus Christ once again. There's something, everyone is equal under God, under Jesus Christ. There's no difference where you come from, how much money you make, or how you look, ethnic background, cultural background, it doesn't matter. But every person has inherent worth and value. You're preciously made in the image of God. I love going to um, CVS. <laughs> CVS is my favorite store. All right? I'm not ashamed. And I save coupons for CVS. Very proud. 
Yeah, I mean, CVS is amazing. When they're on sale, like coupon, you could like buy. Like, I think there was somebody else. I think it was one of our sisters congregants who's also like me. And I was like so excited. But, um, but the thing is, honestly, when you go to CVS and when you face those, some of the workers there, very difficult, right? Sometimes a lot of young kids there. Sometimes people are not as educated or whatever, different backgrounds and stuff. And it takes forever. Like they give me a scan sometimes. I mean, just the heart and patience, you know, kindness, pastor, everything's out of the door. I'm like, can you just please just. Uh, God is saying, even those people at CVS, even people um, serving you at a restaurant, they are image bearers of God. So the people of God, as Christians, when we think about people, relationships, starting point, foundational thinking point, cannot ever, ever forget. Every human being uh, is a bearer, bearer image of God. Okay, number one. Number two, human beings are loved by God. Basic point, you know, we heard it many times, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Romans 8, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future or any powers, neither height nor death or anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Romans 8. Uh, obvious, right? We, we heard the, the core of the gospel, God loves us. But sometimes we just hear it, God loves me. <laughs> But the teachings of Scripture, biblical teaching is what? God loves every person, every human being. Okay, so slight kind of going further. Not only inherent value, worth, every person has in the image of God, but now what we're saying is that God actually has affection towards every person. God actually has almost, God favors in an in a emotional way that there is linkage. Not just every person is worthy, worth, valuable, but God actually likes them. You know, when uh, in high school I played tennis and over the years, and I, I have a lot of rackets, tennis rackets. Because over the years, you know, these rackets also go out of season and then different technology comes in. Some of you guys know who play tennis. So, so I have about 10 rackets, 10 tennis rackets at home. And... Um, Recently, I've been kind of getting back at tennis. I take my rackets out. Every racket, every tennis racket I could still play with. Because what, what's, what's a tennis racket? It's, the point is to play tennis, to hit the ball. Functionality, you know, inherent value-wise, what is a tennis racket? It's still usable. Everything's good. But then I have my 1992 Prince Graphite oversized head. That perfect four and three eighths grip. Same, I mean, same ten rackets, but that one is special. Why? I mean, there are reasons, you know. That's the one actually Lisa, one more Danish, bought me that racket and all that stuff. But some of you guys know Michael Chang, the great Michael Chang. That's the racket he used. Um, but that racket's special. I have affection towards that racket. It's the same racket. You know, tennis rackets are all the same. But not only just functionality, or inherently what it is. But when God says that he loves us, he loves people, uh, there's affinity, there's, there's something deeper, further. Right? And once again, 
each person that we meet. Biblically thinking, we have to be reminded that you know, God favors this person. God loves this person. And number two, number three, and we are all also connected uh, as same family under uh, Jesus Christ. Today, verse 15, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Um, this is actually going now more, a little bit more specific to the Christian, uh, Christian family, people, uh, believers. Uh, but the emphasis here is, remember that somehow we are connected, that we are one. You know, a lot of places in the Bible uh, emphasizes this, that we're the body of Christ. Some of you guys are an eye or ear or a hand or thumb, that you're connected, whether you like it or not. Uh, we talk about the family of God. Who's my mother? Who's my brother, sister? Everyone who does the will of God. That we are now in this new family called God's family. We're we're together, we're part. Right? Uh, That's why for me, when I read stuff like this, I think it teaches us, maybe as the last kind of point I want to make is that God values every relationship. Because God is a God of relationships. The nature of God, remember the community thing we learned? God's not just one, but three in one, right? The triune God, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Even from the nature of who he is, Genesis 1, creating, or Genesis 1, creating marriage. Adam, you're not alone. You know, it's not good to be alone. Bringing people together, blessing them to be fruitful and multiply children. Then he uses the nation of Israel. What is that? His people, his relationships. Then later in New Testament, what's the, what's the focal thing that God uses for, for the kingdom? Is a church. Right? Over and over again, God shows us that he's a God of connections, relationships, people coming together. And here, once again, Paul emphasized that. We're one body. Why are you guys fighting so much? Why can't you forgive each other? It's like biting off your own hand. And I think that's the third um, biblical thinking point that we need to think about as, as God's people when we think about others, when we think about people. Somehow we're all connected. And especially as Christians, uh, we are one. That's your brother. That's your sister. All right. I'm going to just move to applications and go pretty fast. The sermon might be a little bit more extra topical today, but please bear with me. Um, just wanted to make it a little bit more just straight up, I guess, practical today. So what does this mean for us as people of God? And as we think about healthy Christian living, effective Christian living, it's relationships. As we, as we are parents, as we are fathers, husbands, and, and mothers, and wives. Number one, practically, about, I don't know, three, four points as they will close today. Number one, it is the gospel. It is the gospel that's going to give us the space to love one another. It is the gospel that gives us the space to love one another. Meaning, applying this in a meaningful way, I think a lot of us, it's challenging. Why? Because 
first and foremost, the gospel has to work in me, in us first. And that's going to now give us space, enabling us to, to love. To show, today says what? To show compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, patience. And can you do that? Can we do that readily? It's hard, right? No. That's tough. Why? Because once again, it's the gospel. It starts with the gospel. As we, as we dive into the gospel, grow in the gospel, once again, realize, like Paul says today, remember what God has done for you. As the gospel begins to work and transform in us first, that, give us, that gives us that space, enabling us to think about compassion, about kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Um, I think this is very important, first point. A lot of times we, we know when we are not doing well spiritually, uh, that's when we're also not doing well as a husband, as a, as a wife. That's when we don't do well as dads and mothers and sons and daughters, right? For, like so once again, for the Christian. Always our starting point is the gospel. So when things are not going well, what do we do? What should we do? Go back to the gospel. Don't try to fix it with all these other fringe stuff. It's not your work. It's not the stress. Go back to the gospel. People of God, people of Jesus Christ, go back to Jesus. Go back to your foundational connecting point, where you come from, how you were saved, and how God gave us this new life. The old has gone, the new has come. Go back to the gospel. And when we, when we are in the gospel, when everything's, oh, we could breathe a little, then you will find that space to begin to see the other, to begin to really see your wife, begin to really see your husband and your, and your children and your, and your parents and your siblings and your bosses at work and the person at the CBS. All right, that's number one. Leading into the second point, so that means for the Christian, for Christians, you are, you will be the best, you will be at your best relationally as a husband, as a wife, as a father, mother, son, whatever, when you are doing best in the Lord. Meaning, the best thing that you can do for your wife, the best thing that you can do for your spouse is to grow spiritually. The best thing that you can do as a wife for your husband is to fall in love with Jesus more. You know, for your, your best father, I'm talking about biblically, Christian, you know, as, as a people of God, kingdom people, first and foremost, do you, do you want to be a good, better parent? You have to grow spiritually, first and foremost. We get closer to the Lord. That's, that's, that's the beginning, right? The gospel is the key. So we can't, once again, you know, we can't forgive people. We have a hard time forgiving people, difficulty, challenging, loving people, growing, because at the end of the day, we are broken. There's so much hate and pain and, and anger and all this stuff still there that unless we begin to realistically, in a real vulnerable way, deal with these things, items, we cannot 
It's not real. There's, there's always a limit. You get to a certain point, what happens? You get tired. Oh, I tried. I tried being a good husband. I tried being a good, good parent. Because it was, at the end of the day, it was you. It was your effort. But the gospel has to continually work. So a few, you know, some time ago, you know, even, like, honestly, for me and Lisa, uh, we've been married for, I always get this wrong, and she gets angry. I know that we met <laughs> 19, actually, you know, it's true, we met 1996. So actually, it's been 20 years just meeting her, and we met as friends 20 years then we were friends for a year and a half. We dated about a year and a half. Then we got married. So I guess 17 years. We were married 17 years. Um, and we're coming up on our 18th year, uh, January. But um, just because I'm a pastor, nothing to do with being a pastor. It's has to do with some being a human being. As, as, a, as, a, as a person of God, it's always for me, once again, it's going back to the gospel. Sometimes it's painful. It's hard. No, she wants me to whatever, do stuff, and I'm like, I don't want to do it. But as a person of God, as people of God, once again, what does it mean for me to grow as a good, healthy husband so that I can be, I can, I can support and help and love my wife better? I notice quickly, it's because spiritually I need to grow so that I could handle more. I could embrace more things. When I'm like this spiritually, anything comes, you crack and you're done. You're like angry and you're upset and stressed. But as God grows you, expands your heart, then you could handle more things. It's the same stress items, but now it's like, oh, you know what? It's okay. Last year, I would have gone crazy, but this year it's better. And as we grow spiritually, you you become the best, uh, relationally the best person you could be. Matt Chandler, Pastor Matt Chandler, uh, some of you guys know, we always talk about Tim Keller, but uh, Matt Chandler, um, I think his church is called The Village, The Village Church, I think in Texas, he's an amazing pastor. And he, uh, I was reading his thing, his blog or whatever, and one one day, and and he said he made an absolute commitment. His church is like 12,000 people, but he made a commitment to minister to his family first, no matter how the church, busy the church, right? So, you know, he has two kids, beautiful kids, and his wife, and, and he always just ministers and, and becomes a family man first and foremost because he feels that's where health is. Unless he's, he is healthy, his family is healthy, he can't minister in a healthy way. So he spends a lot of time there. And in, on, the, on one of the blogs he wrote, um, my job is to uh, is growing to know my wife's heart. And I was I reading that. I was like, at first I was like, eh, it's kind of corny, whatever. But I was like, oh, it's pretty, it's pretty good. My job as a husband uh, is constantly growing to know her heart and trying to cultivate and support her in all that she is going to be in Jesus Christ. My job as a husband is to know and grow in knowing her heart. What's her heart like? And cultivating and supporting in any, every way that how she will be growing, what she will become in Jesus Christ. The same thing, vice versa, I believe, for, for wives. Be interested in your husband's hearts. 
not just the you know, actions and outside stuff, but what's at the heart? What gets them beating, and who are they at the core? And how can you support and, and help him to become really the man of God that God sees him to be? Okay, so I think those are important. Same thing with children. You know, we had our retreat, and um, I thought Pastor Mark, our retreat speaker, really just had an amazing call and challenge to all the parents. Hopefully you guys still remember. remember. He said, children are not ours. Your kids are not yours. But we are to steward them, that they are God's children. And for that time, for the time being, we are here to to support and grow them to be prince and princesses, princesses uh, for our kingdom, Father. Very powerful. Just to challenge, you know, I think all our minds. Because sometimes we, we're like this, no, my kids, no, our children. But biblically, it's true. Scripture says what? Children are a gift of God. And children, our children, will, will, they will do better. If they, as they grow as God's kids, right? God, God will take care of them. So we are here for the time uh, to, to nurture them, to support them, to grow, to be sons and daughters of the Lord as God sees fit and God has greater plans for them than we have. And that really frees us, right? So, okay. All right. As we close for... Once again, going back to uh, our text today, as we think about uh, people, as we think about different relationships that we are part of, Scripture today, Colossians, talks about uh, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, and it goes back to uh, because, of, because of the gospel, because of Jesus Christ, that find space in your heart, in your, in your lives as the gospel ministers unto you that you can show grace, you can extend forgiveness, that you can be patient and, and gentle and kind to others, to your family members uh, as a people of God. Uh, remember, remembering also that they are image bearers of God. Every person has God-likeness imprinted, something about God upon their hearts. Every person is loved by the Lord, that Jesus came and died for each and every person. So as Christians, as people of God, I think this would be a good foundational way uh, that we, we can think about relationships and people around us. Okay? Can we pray? Let's pray.